My name's Andrea. I was born and raised in Augsburg, Germany. I moved to Tucson in 2020 and have been living here with my husband ever since. Our family would always go to church every Sunday. We'd always get up early, get dressed nice. Growing up, I thought of God as someone that was watching me and was monitoring me and someone that I turned to for comfort and for strength, but someone that also I ran the risk with disappointing and where I knew that I had to put my best foot forward to have a relationship with God. The congregation we attended was preaching God's love and was preaching love within the community. But at the same time, it also talked about the outsider people, the outsiders that were not part of this congregation, that weren't considered as part of God's true followers. And one of the things I remember, and I don't remember if it was said that way or if it's something that I just felt, but one of those things was that those outsiders were the ones that bad things kind of happened to. And then, yeah, and then, when I was 20 years old, the worst thing that I thought could ever happen to anybody ended up happening to me. I just remember praying to God and asking Him why He's allowing this to happen to me when all I've tried to do my entire life was pray and be good and be and love Him and love everybody around me. I kept asking Him, why are you letting this happen? Why? What did, what did I do to deserve this? And all I heard was silence. And there was no response. So, after a while, I came to the conclusion I was supposed to have a relationship with God and He's not answering. And this is the worst I've ever felt in my life. That means if he's not answering me, either he hates me or he doesn't exist. So, I guess I'm done with God, if he's done with me. That was pretty much it for our relationship for many years. And I entirely put the idea of God, church, religion to sleep. You know, when she says that line, um, I just put it all to sleep. Like that, like that grabs you. Like that's a powerful line. Um, and and it, 
it, and it's both something that speaks to the heart, but it's also this kind of metaphor for so many things that we uh, deal with. And yet, the whole idea of sleep, that's something that, as people, like, we have to deal with it. We're not great at this. The, um, you know, there's this kind of irony that so many people would admit to. It's the thing of, like, man, we, so many of us would say we need more sleep, and yet at the same time we'd say there's so much that we sleep through or so many things that we just, like, put to sleep, like, just want to get away from it. And, and I think there's this reality that we all face is that there's, we, we can sleep through more of life than we realize. Um, when I was in college, I uh, had a physics class that was one of those classes where there's like hundreds and hundreds of students in it. And it was a big auditorium. And one time during class, someone in the class literally fell asleep. They were probably, I don't know, four or five rows uh, up above me. I didn't even know it until the professor, Dr. Packard, actually pointed it out. And, you know, as we started to laugh or whatever, he's like, no, 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 here's what I want to do. And this literally happened in, in my physics class. He's like, I'm going to wrap class up here. And I want all of you, and he's saying this to like this big auditorium, all these students, I want all of you to quietly slip out and don't wake him up. And then tell the class that's getting ready to come in uh, that they should come in and just let him sleep in there before the next class. And so we did that. We, I mean, remember, like, we all slipped out of class and we told the next class and they all came back uh, in. And so a couple days later when we had the class, um, like, we're like, okay, like, what happened, Dr. Packard? Like, what? And he said, oh, he's, you know, and he giggled and he was just like, so, like, he said he stayed asleep for, like, three quarters of the next class. He didn't wait, like, he fell asleep. So he finally wakes up three quarters of the way through the next class. And uh, Dr. Packard said, but he played it really cool, right? He was very confused, but very cool, right? Like he didn't get up and go, what's going on? He didn't run. He just stayed there the whole time to figure out who are all these people? Like, I know that's my professor. But just, and and I, you think about that, um, like that's literally happened. Like he missed the class he was supposed to have, right? Because he slept through that. But if he had a class after that, like he missed that class too because he was in the wrong class, sleeping in that class and um, like missed half of his day. Why? Because because he was asleep. And there's this thing that happens where we can sleep through more than we realize, I think, sometimes. Um, and, you know, there's, there's the kind of sleeping through life that is you, like you fall asleep in class or you fall asleep at work or something like that. But there's also the kind of sleep where, like, maybe your eyes are open, right? You're walking around. But in reality, just where your brain is, where your mi mind, your heart is, like, it's kind of asleep. Like, you've tuned something out or you've numbed out in, for some reason. And, and part of it's because we live in this world and there's all of this stress and there's all this busyness and we can get caught up in the busyness or the stress. It can become overwhelming. We kind of numb out. Or it, it can be because of something painful or something difficult or something we just like, I, like I've, I'm not ready to deal with this. Or this is, there, there's hurt or there's shame or there's something and it's just like you just want it to go away. And we have this way where it's like we can just put it to sleep in there. But, but the problem with that is too often it's like we are, we're missing something else in life. And I would ask the question, like, is there a place in your life that you look at and go, man, there's, yeah, there's this part of my life that it's just like I've put it to sleep because there's a, like I just want to tune it out. I want to get away from it. And the reason I ask is because so often if we reach that place, 
it's like, it's like we go through this thing where all the goodness and all the beauty and all the color of life can just start to fade away. And we start to miss something in all of this. And as we think about Easter and what Easter is about, it's, right, it's, I want you to think of Easter as more than just, uh, um, like, I get to be saved somehow. Or, you know, it's about, it, it's about good news for someday when I die. Jesus did something that, so that someday when I die. And, you know, th- there is that aspect to it. But I want you to think about Easter. It is about life. And it is about life now and forever, right? And so when you think about this, in what ways, like, does the Easter story begin to speak to a kind of resurrection that brings us to life because of his resurrection in all of this. And one of the things that I love about scripture is that when you think about this idea of where we as human beings, like we get, we get caught in, in this kind of sleep where we tune things out or whatever, it doesn't avoid that. It doesn't whitewash things. You see these stories where people struggle and wrestle with this. And I think that's good for us because that's where we find ourselves sometimes. Um, there is a moment when Jesus has this encounter uh, with this uh, dad. Um, his name is Jairus. And, and there's something about this encounter that I really like. Um, but in some ways, it's also a hard story. Because Jairus, um, he is this... Uh, spiritual leader. He has a daughter, but she is deathly ill. And you can just imagine as a dad, and he's so worried about his daughter who is ill and not doing well. But he hears that there is this teacher, this rabbi that that has healed people. And of course, he's thinking of Jesus. And he wants to go and see this rabbi. And Jesus is going to be traveling nearby where Jairus lives, maybe in the same village or a nearby village. So he goes um, and he wants to get Jesus' help. And he gets there and there's this huge crowd of people. But it's like he makes his way to Jesus. And Jesus is like, you know what? Yes, I'll help you. Let's go. Let's go to your house. And it seems like this really good moment. And then on their way to his house... Jesus gets distracted. There's a woman in need. And so he begins ministering to this woman and she's got some severe health problems. And then it turns into this spiritual conversation. All of these things start going on and you can just see Jairus. In fact, imagine if you were Jairus and it's just like, you feel like the help that you need from God, like, okay, I've got this help. But it's like, it, it's being put off and you're waiting. And I'm sure there's a part of Jairus that's just like, I'm so glad you're helping this other woman but like my daughter, like the, like the clock is ticking here. And then the story begins to, to um, change, right? There's this turn in the story. And I want to read part of it to you because someone calls out, but they're not calling out for Jesus. It's someone calling out for Jairus. Um, and the gospel writer Luke records part of this story. He says this, while Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. And here's what he says. Your daughter has died. Like she's dead. And like in that moment, you can just like feel the pain of what Jairus is going through. But it's what happens next that I think is the thing that... Um, just turns this story into something that you just go like this it gets dark here because here's what this this man says don't bother the teacher anymore 
So he comes and he delivers this news, and this may have been a spiritual leader or a person of faith in Jairus's uh, life, and and he like delivers this terrible news. But like, what was he like? The ne- like, so stop bothering Jesus now, like, right? Because because your your problem's passed, and it's like it like it's like your story doesn't matter anymore. Can you imagine what Jairus must have felt in that moment? Like. I, like that had to hurt or the disappointment or like this is a man who's probably been in this faith community for a long, long time and this is when he needs it the most and man, I bet he felt alone in that moment and maybe that's some of you. Like, like you, you walked in this morning and you're just like, you know, my faith is a little tenuous or, you know, like I've thought about this God thing in the past, but I don't know because there was some encounter that you had with a follower of Christ or uh, some encounter you had with a, with a church or a pastor or something happened and it's left you in this place of just like disillusionment or hurt. And I think that that's where Jairus is in this moment. Um, there's another moment that Jesus has. This time it is with two sisters who um, are, they're not just strangers to him. These are good friends of Jesus. Uh, their names are Mary and Martha. And Mary and Martha have a brother, Lazarus, and he has become really, really sick. So it's similar uh, in this, uh, to the Jairus story in that he's become super sick and like the verge of death. And so they send word like, you've got to come, Jesus, come and help us. And this isn't just some stranger. This is like friends of his. And Jesus doesn't show up in time. And Lazarus dies. And you just, you, you feel the weightiness of it. It's just like, okay, thought for sure you would have showed up for us. Like you can just picture Mary and Martha. Like we're your friends. Like what could you possibly be doing that would be more important than making your way back to those that like you're closest with. And, and you get a feel for the anguish uh, that they go through. There's a, 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 again, a very poignant moment captured in one of the gospels. And, and it's when Jesus is making his way to their house and Lazarus has already died. And Mary comes out to meet him. And it says this, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet. Like she just collapses and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. That's a telling statement. If you had been there, right? Ever ask the if question? Like, God, if, if you would have just intervened. God, if you would have just, I know you have the power to heal. God, if you would have, like, if you would have just showed me that you were real. Or God, if you would have just helped me navigate this situation. Like, we all have those moments Moments that are hard, right? And you look at that and, and, it's, and it makes me think of that moment with Andrea like, and her story. And it's just like, God, where were you? And there's a moment where I think it's so easy at moments because of the hurt or the pain or the disillusionment or the frustration to just say, I want to just put that to sleep. And I can just picture Mary and Martha doing that in this moment. Now, I share these stories with you because there's something that's captured in these two stories that captures something really important about the cross and about Easter to really understand what it means and why we would trust God and why Easter is so important. And what it captures is, is there's this thing that, 
that you see at the core of what the cross means. You know, when you think about the cross, there's something dark there, isn't there? I mean, when we think about the cross, there, it is about pain. It is about execution. It's like, it's, it's like, it's filled with pain. And I think about Jairus and there's a dark part of his story that he's struggling with. I think about Mary and Martha and what they're going through in their end. There's a dark part there. But it, isn't it interesting that what you see in the cross is this kind of willingness of Jesus to go to that place. And here's kind of the core message of the cross that I don't want us to miss this morning. And it's this. God will go to the darkest of places if that's what it takes to reach you and me with the beauty of the resurrection. And here's why this is important, right? This is important because there's something there that we need. But I don't want you to miss this as well. When Jesus goes to the cross, it's not just about the physicality of it. It's not just about the physical pain. I mean, that, that's, that's a, a huge part of it. And it's hard for us to even wrap our minds around. But I want you to know there was a part of the cross of what Jesus stepped into that just goes way beyond the physical part of it. It, it is the emotional and mental side of what he endured. In fact, um, when he is crucified and you look at the, the story of this, right? It goes through this whole thing where he's arrested and he's mocked and he's beat up and then they, they hang him on that cross for hours and hours and hours and hours and they wait for him to die. But there comes a moment in the story that I want you to see that just, it gives you insight into what Christ went through. There's this moment after he's been up on the cross um, and Matthew writes about this in his gospel. He says this, he says, from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. And, and whatever that was, you know, whether that was clouds or some sort of weather pattern or whatever the physical side of, of what that is, that's not nearly as important as understanding that this is a picture of what's happening in Jesus's heart. Because in the very next verse, Matthew tells us that Jesus cries out. He cries out, and here are the words that he speaks. He says this, my God, my God, why, why have you forsaken me? And I think, like, Jesus, Jesus experienced a moment that he described as feeling forsaken by God. And I think it's important for us not to miss that part of the story. Because we don't often think about, you know, Jesus, oh man, Jesus must have never had a moment where he felt abandoned by God. Jesus never would have had a moment where he could identify with like profound loneliness or rejection or, or, you know, someone pushing him aside or like, or wondering like, you know, where is God or where am I? Like, but he did, he did. And I bring this up because there's something about the cross that says he gets my dark moments and he gets your dark moments. You know, through the story of Jairus, like there's like he's saying to Jairus, like, I want you to trust me. I want you to trust me. And, and it's like, why? Why would we, you know, why should he trust you? Look at what he went through. Or Mary and Martha, it's like you didn't show up. Why, like, why should you trust? And what if part of the reason gets back to this thing that, well, 
It's because Jesus knows what it is to be in that place. You know, I think about Andrea's story. She gets this. Remember her words? She was at the place where she said, God either hated me or he didn't exist. That is a soul in anguish. When you cry out, God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That is a soul in anguish. And I just, I look at a room this size and I've got to believe, you know, some of you are in anguish. Where are you? Where are you right now where you just, where you would say, I just want to put that to sleep. See? But the reality is, right, there's a resurrection that we're being invited into. There's a resurrection that is filled with life in this. And friends, if you are in that place, right, if you're in that place where you're just like, man, I, like, I don't want to deal with the pain of this or just my doubt is too much. Whatever it is, here's what I want you to know. Know this. Those are the very places Jesus wants to awaken you to the resurrection of his life. See, that's the story of Easter. The story of Easter begins with a cross where, where there is a God who says, I don't care how dark the place is that you're in, I'll meet you in that place. That's kind of like the middle of the story that we see so often in our lives, right? There's this place where, where maybe we've got hopes and dreams about life or something, but there's always this turn. There's always this middle part of the story where like that gets wrecked, we just want to go to sleep to something. And I don't want you to miss that those are not the places where, where God isn't with us, waiting for us to take some big leap of faith to trust him on the other end. You know, when I think about the story of Jairus, this is one of the things, and this is why I love these two stories. Here's Jairus, and he goes through this moment and of just darkness where someone just says, okay, don't even bother Jesus anymore. Kind of like you're on your own. You know what we don't think about in the middle of his story? He has a really lonely, long walk in front of him. It's like, your daughter's dead. No need for the teacher anymore. Where's he going to go now? He's going to go back home. And he's just been told, don't even bother with Jesus. Can you imagine the walk that man's got in front of him? He's going to walk home. All, like... In his heart, he's got to feel so lonely and so betrayed. But you know what I love about that story? It doesn't matter that there's some guy, some spiritual leader that says, okay, don't, like, don't mess with him anymore. That doesn't matter because you know who ends up walking with Jairus home? Jesus does. And in this moment, like, Jairus doesn't even believe that, like, that anything good is going to come out of it. Right? Jesus even tells him in this moment, he's saying, like, trust me, I want you to trust me. And Jairus is like, I don't know if I can, you know, I, it's too much. But that doesn't stop Jesus. Jesus walks home with that man. I love that about Jesus because he, right, there's no place so dark that he won't go to that place or understand that place that it might bring you to the awakening, to the resurrection of life with him. Mary and Martha, right? Mary is like she's on the ground weeping like it's too late, Jesus. He's already dead. 
right? And Jesus said, I want you to trust me. I got this. You know, in Mary's heart, it's over. It's like, and that's where we sit sometimes. It's like, okay, I can read a nice Bible verse here, but I'm, I am hurting deeply in my life right now, right? But here's what I love. Here's what I love about this story. Um, I, want you to, I want you to hear this. So back to that story, right? And the next verse, after that verse I read you about how uh, she falls to the ground, she's weeping, and she's like, if only, if only, like, if only you would have been here. And here's how Jesus responds. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved, right? He sees her pain. And it says he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled, and he says, where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And, right, they just think that they're taking Jesus to go and see where they have placed a dead body. And I love the next verse, shortest verse in all of Scripture. Jesus weeps. Jesus just, Mary's crying. There's these other people and they're crying because someone they loved has died. He knows there's a resurrection coming. But he knows right now what they need most. They need someone that'll cry with them. And here's the story of Easter, right? And it's, it's the middle part of the story that's so important to us. It is a God who will walk with us when, it, when we're in that darkness. It is a God who will cry with us in that darkness. You know, I picture uh, Jairus on his way home walking back. You know, if he were to lift his head and look over, what would he see? He would see Jesus with him right in that moment. Mary, in that moment of weeping, there was a moment where she probably looked up and through the tears and what did she see in front of her? Jesus weeping with her. And maybe in those moments where we can't see how God would deliver us, in those moments where shame or guilt or disillusionment or pain wants us to just check things out, it's like Jesus is right there with us. And he invites us to have life with him in his resurrection. Trust me, trust me, he says. And you ask, why should I trust Jesus? Because right there in the middle of your story, friends, the middle of your story and your disillusionment and your pain and your doubt, he's walking with you and he's crying with you. And that, that is the God that we can put our trust in. Even when we don't know what resurrection will look like in our lives, we can trust that it will come. Because wherever we are right now, he is there with us. That's something to celebrate. And for those of you who have never taken that step of faith to trust Christ, to say like, okay, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I'll trust you. I'll trust you. I want to invite you before this morning is over to actually take a step of faith and say, I'll trust you. Andrea did. Because in her worst pain, she was never alone. And that is the beauty and that is the color and that is the life that the resurrection is all about, friends. So our worship team is going to sing out in this song and we're, I want you to just let all of this wash over you. And then I'm going to come back out and give all of us a chance to just celebrate this further and especially for those of you that maybe 
want to take that step of faith. sorrow and dead in my sin lost without hope with no place to begin your love made a way to let mercy come in when death was arrested and my life began ash was redeemed only beauty storyline began to shift when I met my husband. He was a Christian, and whenever we were talking about something difficult that had happened in our lives or something difficult we were facing at the time, he reacted so differently than I did. And I always ask him, like, how can you sit there and just be okay and just be like, well, it, it's all going to be fine. What is that? <laughs> and he said, that's my faith. And that's because I know that Jesus is with me. For uh, Easter service, we came here, and the service was was just beautiful, and it just spoke to both of us in that situation. And when we had walked in, they had handed out these little rocks that said "finished" on them, and we had both gotten our rock, 
and we held on to it during the service and then um, then came the invitation and it was talked about this message of if you have something that is weighing on you and you want to give that to God and it's been on your mind for a while come up and do that today and I was like yes this is what I've been waiting for and I remember I looked at my I looked at my little rock and my husband looks at me and I was like I'm taking all the stuff and I'm giving it to God <laughs> he looks at my rock he compares it to his and he was like okay but take mine because yours is prettier and I want you to have it as a keepsake so <laughs> I started weeping just some of the most intense tears of relief and joy I've ever felt just walking up to this chair and Stacy saw me she was standing right next to it and she came walking up to me said can I give you a hug I, I feel like this is a big moment for you and I was like yeah it's it's humongous and she gave me a hug first and then I took my rock and I put it on the chair and I felt just this wave of relief wash over me just feeling of I never was alone. He was always there. Even in those dark moments, he was always there. Our Savior displayed on a criminal's cross. Darkness rejoiced to so heaven had But then Jesus arose with the freedom in him. That's when death was arrested, my life began. Oh, your grace so free washes
Amen. You can be seated. You know, um, there's this beautiful thing about the resurrection, right? It is this kind of amazing life where, like, like where, where Christ is saying, um, in fact, you see it in both of those stories. He uses this metaphor of sleep and awake, and he talks about, like, like, uh, like in me, I will wake you up to something new. And he was always inviting people into that resurrection, into that life and relationship with him. But that can be a hard thing to trust, can't it? Because we face these different moments in life that are difficult, and we don't always understand what that would be. And I am sure in a room with this many people, there are a number of you here this morning, and it's just, and you're probably in that place, and you're like, Glenn, that's wonderful. I love the idea, the concept. I get it. Like, 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 but I don't know, like, why should I trust? Why should I take, like, some sort of step of saying, I'll trust Christ with my life. I'll organize my life around who Jesus is. And, you know, I get that. And I think about, like, Jairus. I think about Jairus. Um, why would he trust? Like, he clearly didn't understand where Jesus was going with this resurrection thing. But you know what? In the end, he did. He, like, he trusted and I think it's probably because somewhere on that road, that long walk back, there had to be a moment where he looked over and said, he's with me right now. He's with me. Like, he's, he gets where I am. Mary and Martha, they, those were two people that, that ultimately trusted Jesus with everything they had. And I think... I think part of the reason is, even if they didn't understand what the resurrection would mean in their lives, that when they lifted their head, they saw Jesus crying with them. And if you're here today, and maybe you've heard about Christ before in the past or whatever, and there's a part of you that says, okay, but Glenn, I hear you, but where I am in my life, the disillusionment or the hurt or like I've been, like I had guilt and shame heaped up on me by some other church or I you know I've heard those harsh words or maybe you're just sitting here and just say I don't feel worthy of that how how could Christ possibly you know want to do something eternal for me or even something in this world for me and here's what I want to promise you I promise you this. And I can promise you this because you see it with Christ story after story after story after story in the Bible. Whatever darkness, whatever disillusionment, whatever pain, whatever guilt, whatever it is, if you lift your head, he is with you. He is with you now. And what he's inviting is... Let me walk with you towards a resurrection, a kind of awakening in your soul where I'll bring color and life and goodness into you in your life. And not just someday when you die. Let me start bringing that goodness into your life now and for all eternity. That, that is the resurrection of the Easter story. And if you've never taken that step, I invite you right now. I invite you right now to do that. And here's how I want to do this. I'm just I'm going to just take a minute here, um, and I'm just going to pray through a prayer of just of just. It's a prayer of just trusting Jesus 
with your life of becoming his follower. And there's no formula for this. Like there's not a magic formula to this. There's not some exact prescribed way in scripture for how to do this. You just see it over and over again in the simplest of ways. It's simply just saying, okay, I'll trust you. Even if I don't understand it, I'll trust the one that's walking with me right now. And if you want to do that, and you've never done it before, I invite you to do that right now. Why don't you just bow your heads, close your eyes, and I'm going to just say a prayer, just one phrase at a time, and you just, you can repeat the same words or your own words out loud or quietly, however you want to do it. But I invite you to do this if you've never taken that step before. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I come before you right now with my disillusionment, my hurt, whatever it is that just has me wanting to put it all to sleep. But right now, I'm going to trust two things. I trust that you're with me in whatever it is I face. And I'm going to trust you for what you'll bring in salvation and in resurrection and relationship with you. Thank you for making me yours. Amen. Amen. You can look up here right now. So I want to just say, if you prayed that prayer, like something really special happened. Like there's something to celebrate here. Um, you were all given a card when you came in. And, uh, and you know, I want all of us to maybe fill out this card right now because there's two things on here. First, if you prayed that prayer with me for the very first time, I want you to check the first little circle on there. Because you, like this is, like this is a moment on the road that you're traveling that you looked up and you said, okay, Jesus, I'm, I'm with you the way you're with me. Yeah, that's a special. Like there, you started something new that is gonna be an ongoing kind of waking up to a new spiritual reality that is really precious. Check that box if that is you, okay? And if you've already made that decision, if you already did that, maybe years ago, maybe recently, that next box that says, I already have a relationship with Jesus, check that box. You know why? Because like, just take a moment to celebrate that, to, to just reground yourself in this thing that you are in and the beauty of it that goes back to a God who said, there's no place so dark that I won't go there for who? You, you have that. And you now live in his resurrection. Like that is a beautiful, check that box. And there's a space on there for your name and address and stuff. I, here's what I want to ask. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, if you checked the first box, I, like, I have a gift for you. I want to like, I want to connect with you on that because there's something special that you did. And I would love to either have you drop that card off, some baskets in the back of the room, or what I'd really prefer is that you find me here in a little while after the service. I'm going to be right over here. Find me and hand me this card and let me know because I want to I wanna give you a Bible, but more than that, I want to shake your hand or give you a hug, tell you congratulations because it's a beautiful thing that you're in. So no matter what circle you checked, do we have something to celebrate? Yes, we do.
That's right. Amen. And should we celebrate that sitting down? No. So stand up with me, right? And let the worship team lead out in a kind of celebration, embracing the beauty of what Easter is all about, friends.